Welcome to this special video edition of Gil Reads Comics, where I guide my non-comic reading brother Adam through the world of heroes and villains. Today, we're talking about Amazing Spider-Man issue 3, written by Nick Spencer with art by Ryan Otley. For those of you who are listening to this and not watching the video, don't worry. This will be just like any other podcast episode. But if you do want to check out the video, you can go to my YouTube page, link in the show notes, and it'll just enhance the experience a little bit. You get to see what I look like. You get to see what Adam looks like. And maybe we'll throw up a couple visuals here and there to you know as we talk about the comic. But if you can't get to your screen right now, don't worry. We will be as descriptive as always. There is an epidemic affecting children everywhere. Comic books. Comics everywhere. Avengers, Batman, Wonder Woman, and they're in movies now, too. In the real world, there is no good and evil. Enough! I'm reading comics, and no one's gonna stop me. Adam, today we're talking about issue three of Amazing Spider-Man. Last issue, we ended on sort of a cliffhanger, right? Yes. uh, So Spider-Man came in and kind of saved the day, but Peter Parker was there too, which left us very perplexed. You thought maybe it was Doc Ock in Peter Parker's body. Yeah, because the only... in, I think just the issue before, they mentioned something about there being a Peter Parker clone running around. So either Peter Parker in that scene is actually Doc Ock or Spider-Man in that scene is actually Doc Ock. That's my theory because we have no, no nothing else to go on. But you suggested that maybe the uh, Sp- Spider-Man suit had taken on a life of its own <laughs> because of it was like some... Uh, the um, isotope genome accelerator. Exactly. You're sort of mischaracterizing. I never said that the suit became uh, took became alive. I was saying that Spider-Man's essence was removed from Peter Parker and became, you know, it took on its own its own organism. Exactly. So is the is there anything under the costume? I assumed that maybe. Well, I don't know. I guess maybe I was sort of implying that the suit took on a life of its that, own. That's the impression I had. Yeah. Well, let's find out what yeah, happens. Yeah, let's see. The issue opens up, and I'll say I left out a part of last issue. At the start of the issue, we saw this uh, elephant that I think in Africa get killed, like shot. Poachers. Right, and I didn't mention it because I didn't think it was important. But we come back to it this issue. Okay. We see a... a was large... it just disconnected from the rest? It was just like kind of a, a cold open? They just like show you this open. and then move on to the rest of the comic. Exactly. We have another one. So we see part two of the elephant. Large fellow with a gun has just killed the elephant. And he's being taken around by what appears to be a local. This looks like one of those situations, you know, where a rich person pays to be taken mm. somewhere so they can shoot animals. Right, like big game hunting. Exactly. So this guy just killed the elephant. He hands his phone to the local. He's like, take a pic, you know, of me. <laughs> Selfie. And then someone throws a knife into the local's chest. Seriously? Yeah. Do you, how much how graphic is that? Uh, not very graphic. It's there's no blood. You just see uh, a knife sticking out yeah. of his chest, and you see him say a hark, hark, H R R K. I could I could see that. Yeah. Hark. Is that uncharacteristic of a Spider-Man comic to, to show something like that? They'll show it. They'll show people get shot, stabbed. There's just typically no blood. Okay. It'll be PG thirteen level blood. You know, someone gets punched. Maybe they bleed from their nose a little bit. Yeah. But no limbs flying off or anything like that. And so it's the local taking the photo who had the knife go through their chest, not the hunter. Not the large fellow. Okay. The local. All right. All right. Back to the action, though. MJ and Peter are at a bowling alley with Randy. Remember who Randy is? Hold on. I just thought of something. Yeah. The, The hunter, the local... That stuff happened at the elephant. Could they be tying like Black Panther in here or something? Oh yeah, I was gonna say. So, what's the purpose of these uh, these cuts at the beginning of the issue? I assume that they're setting up a villain of some kind. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I don't think Black Panther. That wouldn't make sense. Not as a villain, no. Well, not as a villain or a protagonist. Just not connected. He's not a murderer. He's not going to go around killing... Oh, I'm not even saying that Black Panther was involved in that particular scene, but maybe they're setting the stage for him for his involvement somehow in this story. Yeah, un- unlikely, in my okay. opinion. All right, you know better than I do. See, um, Black Panther, he comes from Wakanda, Wakanda, which is a society with advanced technology. We haven't seen any of that here. And Black Panther, you might think some connection with animals because of his name, but as far as I know, he's not known to be protective of, you know... Wildlife. Yeah. And I guess actually in this sequence, they're not really protecting the wildlife because they killed the local, yeah. not the hunter. Right. That's what I was thinking about. It's kind of mysterious. My thought, and I could be way off base here, I see I see jungle environment. I think Craven the Hunter. I don't what know. What do you that. think? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with that. I don't know a lot about Craven. I know that Sony's actually making a movie about him in a little mm-hmm. bit. And he is uh, a Russian who once hunted Spider-Man in the famous tale, Craven's Last Hunt. But uh, I have no idea if he's appropriate for, for what we're seeing here. But I'm going to go down and say that's my prediction. Okay. We cut to Peter and MJ at a bowling alley with Randy Robertson. You remember who that is? Is that Spider-Man's roommate? Right. Not the one who's a supervillain. Okay. This is Spider-Man's roommate, who is Robbie Robertson's son. Robbie was Peter's boss at the Daily Bugle until Peter got fired for uh, what they what the plagiarism detector said that he was plagiarizing. Doc exactly. Peter and MJ are at the bowling alley with Randy and Nora Winters. Nora is uh, this girl that Randy used to date. They're not dating anymore. But you can see that there's maybe still something there. She's sort of ribbing him, giving him a hard time. I read it as playful flirtation. I wouldn't be surprised if they get back together. The reason they're there on this sort of double date is MJ wanted to go on a double date. And Peter is scrambling to find a couple, so he picked a sort of couple. And my question is, is that a thing? where you just generically want to go on a double date. I can imagine two couples being friendly with each other, so they want to go out together. But MJ literally tells him, I want to go on a double date, find a couple for That's us. That's kind of weird. It's like, you have the... You, yeah, it's weird to say, I want to go on a double date, now let's find people to fill that role. As opposed to saying, oh, these people are cool, let's go on a double date. Right. I want to go on a date with you, but I want two other people there, ideally. Yeah keep you in check you don't keep making all these little quips yeah so that that did seem weird to me and um glad to know that you feel the same way yeah well the what kind of you know personalities do you think the writers have what do you mean like do you think it seems weird to them um well so that's kind of what i was wondering okay nick spencer he's the writer here is he basing this on personal experience? Is he basing this on speculation of what it would be like to be in a relationship? Well, now I'm getting into territory where I feel bad because I'm, I'm questioning Nick's uh, experience dating. You know, but I, it's coming from a place of you know I don't have a lot of experience dating a lot of different people. You know, so I don't know. Maybe there are. Uh, I feel like we're going down a rabbit hole here. Um, let's dig our way out say, yeah, to okay. something else. So, uh, remember that clone thing where we were trying to figure out why Peter and and Spider-Man were like split or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, let's focus on that instead. Well, Nora... uh, They could go on a double date with the other (laughs) Spider-Man. Peter Parker and MJ can go out with Spider-Man and... She can go out with Peter Parker and... No, Gwen Stacy. Uh, Well, here's what they could do. Um, Are you familiar with Spider-Gwen? I've heard mention... Well, so you know the background of Gwen Stacy. It's Peter Parker's first love. Mm-hmm. She died when she was thrown off a bridge, I believe, or a building. And then Peter um, shot his web to catch her. And it did. But then the whiplash broke her neck and she died. In another alternate universe, Peter Parker's the one who died. And Gwen got the spider powers and became Spider-Gwen. Also known as White Widow, uh, Spider-Woman. Or Ghost Spider. Okay. Most commonly Spider-Gwen. I'm thinking double date. MJ Parker 
and then Spider-Man suit with <laughs> Gwen Stacy. Yeah, I think that would be fun. But again, you wouldn't think, let's go on a double date. Okay, we'll fill the role with them. It's more like, I met a Spider-Man suit and Gwen, <laughs> and I would like to hang out with them. Nora, um, I'm going to read directly from the comic here for a second. Nora says to Peter, Sup, Pete. Thanks for the invite, and congrats on joining me in the League of Fire Daily Bugle staffers. Then Peter, joining, Nora, I'm a founding member. This was my fifth firing, I think. Nora, yeah, about that. Let's talk soon, okay? I got some employment opportunities you might be interested in. Don't worry, they're extra shady. Hmm. Now, before you speculate on anything there, let me tell you why she got fired. She's one of these characters that tries to get ahead by taking advantage of people, taking shortcuts. At one point, she went out with Phil Urich. That's Ben Urich's uh, nephew. Ben Urich is a well-renowned reporter at the Daily Bugle, right? So she's dating Phil. Phil is secretly also the Hobgoblin. (laughs) And he was giving her exclusive access to footage of his crimes. So she was using that. Is this the only way that heroes and villains know how to make money? <laughs> take, take pictures. Yeah. Well, we're, we're kind of talking about a microcosm here, right? Because Peter Parker is a journalist. Yeah. Though I guess that happened after he became Peter Parker. I think we just happen to be talking about villains or heroes that in one way or another happen to be connected with the uh, journalism yeah, business. Yeah. It's just not all of them. Should there be legal ramifications for her besides just getting fired, which is what happened? She was, was she aiding and abetting a villain? Not aiding or abetting. I mean, she was, uh, she was not, she knew of it and she didn't report it. She knew who the hobgoblin was and all she did was profit off it. And people probably suffered or even died because of that, right? Very likely. Yeah, she should be punished. And and now she's just willy-nilly hanging out with Pete and MJ. Are we supposed to think that she's a good person? I think so. That she's she's misguided. Mm. She's like a troublemaker. I don't think we're supposed to see her as a villain. Okay. She's a little mischievous. Right. All right. So we're not happy about her being on the... Yeah. That's the, the stance of Gil Reed's comics. We are not happy about Nora Winters out on the streets. Well, I don't know if she should be imprisoned necessarily or for how long but she deserves some repercussions we need a society in which people will if you know a villain well all right hold on a minute Mm -hmm. i'm making a a connection here that's kind of disturbing all right spider-man's living with a villain too and he's not saying anything that's true well and he's making money because he's a roommate paying paying part of the rent true damn well okay let me try and play devil's advocate Peter is in a better position than uh, Nora. Peter can monitor the boomerang and then potentially living with him is going to give him some advantages in stopping other villains. So you could at least make a case. I think we probably need more information. For all we know, Nora did go to prison and paid her dues. I think that as an assignment, you should go and research Nora Winters and then next episode come back and give us the verdict so we can take a... An actual well Yeah, we can make a this. judgment on her. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. All right. That could be a recurring segment. Nora then gets an alert on her phone that there's chaos in lower Manhattan. And MJ looks to Peter and figures he's got to run. And he says, no, I don't. Why is that? Because he has his suit running around. <laughs> this is so confusing. <laughs> We're supposed to be confused right now, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You're fine. Oh, and one thing before we go on, uh, my prediction on this shady business that Nora mentions is that, think about it. Peter just got fired. He's going to be down on his luck. He's going to need money. I think maybe he's going to get involved in some dirty business. It sounds like it. They keep setting Does up Nora, all... Nora doesn't know he's Spider-Man. No, she okay. doesn't know. Yeah. They're setting up all these things that can go wrong. Hmm. Right, this this could be a more. good. This could be a good way. Nora might have good connections with all these villains. She doesn't know Spider Man, Peter Parker, Spider Man, so she could bring him into the fold, thinking it's just going to be about taking photos and stuff. And now Spider Man has this connection. He can go undercover. Yeah. 
This could be interesting. It's one direction it could go. Cut to Lower Manhattan. The Tri-Sentinel is attacking the city. What's that? You know what a sentinel is? These are giant robots. <laughs> the Sentinels were giant purple robots that were created to kill the X-Men. Okay. Loki, you know who Loki is? Yeah, Thor's brother. Right, half-brother. Okay. They're not blood-related. E- yeah, evil half-brother. Loki took... Step, well, step-brother? Uh, adopted brother. Okay, step-brother. Loki took three of the Sentinels and combined them to make the Tri-Sentinel. And then he sent it to attack a nuclear power plant in order to destroy New York City. Luckily, at the time, Peter Parker possessed the powers of uh, the Captain Universe entity, that's the Guardian of Eternity, and used that to defeat the Tri-Sentinel. What is with these <laughs> comics and, like, there's three of a thing, and you have to combine all three and it becomes more... Because Loki did that in the Avengers, but with... What are those, like, stone things? The, uh, it wasn't Loki, though. That was... You're talking about... Uh, Thanos. <laughs> oh, yeah. And those were the Infinity Stones. But Loki was helping or something. Uh, yeah, well, Loki was against Thanos. At one point, he worked for him in the uh, in the first Avengers. Yeah. Something uh, with the stones, and now here we have the Sentinels. You need three of them. Uh, there were five of them. Whatever. Or maybe six, even. Oh. Okay. Yeah. They like combining things. They like combining things. Uh, in this case, three things. And um, the robot's back. Spider-Man, and you're still confused. We don't know why there's two of them. Mm-hmm. So we'll say, okay, Spider-Man's suit is fighting the Tri-Sentinel, and he's got a great line here that I want to read for you. He says, who even asked for this thing to come back? It's like the Arrested Development comeback. How do you even <laughs> hope to recreate that magic, right? You can't. Still some funny parts, though. I'm just worried culture is becoming too dependent on nostalgia, you know? <laughs> So the suit, even without Parker in it, is still maintaining... Oh, the suit is saying that. The suit's saying that, yeah. Whoa. Or whatever's in the suit. I I mean, I agree with the suit about that. <laughs> well, you know what, though? with the People did want Arrested Development to come back. They did. They did. But you couldn't... They couldn't recreate they, the magic. I agree with the magic yeah. part, yeah. And they, right. Yeah. But, yeah, it, who but it was still it? funny, like you said. Yeah, had some funny parts. Yeah. So you and... The now sentient suit yeah. costume have very similar taste in television. <laughs> How are you feeling, um, by the way, about the style of storytelling so far in this run, where it's just one villain after another just popping up constantly? I like I like that it's making me confused because it's something for me to grapple with. I think I touched on this last time we, we spoke. Um, how... With these comics, it's hard to get me in suspense because there's a cartoony element to them, and also, like, in my experience, they never die. Not like in the end, nothing that bad ends up happening, or something bad happens, and then they kind of reverse it later on somehow. So if they can challenge me in a different way, just by making me think, like, what is going on? How does this work? Like, even from like a sci-fi point of view, tech, like thinking about the different technology, like that stuff's cool. Mm-hmm. That makes me interested. Yeah, I'm enjoying it as well um, because there's sort of a side note, right? We're not really interested in the Tri-Sentinel here, except as a curiosity. We're more interested in what the heck is going on with Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Right. And these villains are basically just fodder for action, fodder to get the conversation going, humor. I will say I do hope that we start to converge on some primary villain, but in the meantime, I'm enjoying the pace that this is creating. We have a flashback to the moment where Peter is thrown against the isotope genome accelerator. So now we're going to figure oh, out what's yes. going on. I've waited. I've waited for this moment. He was duplicated. There's two of them. At least that's what it seems like. He hits the machine, and then he looks up and sees Spider-Man. So he hops on Spidey's back. They swing away from the action to a rooftop and then have a conversation. And uh, Spider-Man costume, now talking to Peter Parker, the Spidey side of this whole thing, he seems pretty calm and collected about all of it. In fact, he's joking around about it. Uh, At one point, um, Peter says to him, it's so weird. It's like more than looking at a reflection. It's like I lost a piece of myself. Hmm. And That's then, what I was going to ask, was did Peter lose anything in this duplication? Well, well, when Peter says that, Spider-Man responds by saying, is it the drumstick? 
That's my favorite part, the drumstick. <laughs> and then Peter says, come on. Was he talking about what I think he was talking about? Oh. His uh, drumstick. Hey, do you, is that in character for this? I was just thinking, like, for some reason, I was just thinking about, like, you think of parts of a thing. I was just thinking of the drumstick on the chicken. I wasn't thinking metaphorically. Oh, okay. But that wouldn't make any sense. I mean, it, that would, it would make a lot more sense uh, that he could be referencing a certain part of his anatomy. And that would that would imply that in Peter Parker's head, when he thinks of it, that's like his nickname for that for that hey, body part. Oh, he calls it his drumstick. <laughs> That's I kind of like that. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, well, at a certain that's a if it if it because look in a previous episode that you did with Alon, mm-hmm. no hard feelings. <laughs> anyway, uh, it kept coming up, you know that part, right? And you didn't know what to call it. You kept calling it his D. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you call it the drumstick. Well, that's what I thought. It's too bad I didn't read this issue first because then I could have pulled out drumstick. Yeah. Well, don't don't just. You don't want to just <laughs> you want to just pull out the drumstick. <laughs> All right, I don't want to go too far down yeah. that road. Well, they talk a little bit, and you know they're thinking, "How great is it now that the Spider-Man, ver- the Spider-Man guy, he can go out and do all the superhero stuff? Peter Parker can finally live his life. It's win-win." Hmm. Before they can keep talking, you know, Peter thinks maybe we should do some more tests, figure this all out. Spidey suit swings away. Yeah, I have some feelings about this. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, did first of all, did Peter Parker lose his abilities? Yes, confirmed. Okay. He does not have his abilities, and he doesn't seem to miss them. No, not necessarily. Right? So, it's like it took, it took the Spider-Man, like sp- becoming Spider-Man for Peter Parker. See, at least in what I've seen, seemed to change his personality, like in a in a way. It made mm-hmm. him more confident. He made a lot more jokes and quips and things like that um, and developed a stronger moral sense. Mm-hmm. It seem, I don't know about the moral sense, but it seems like in terms of the personality, it's like you amplify the Spidey personality and take it out. And then you leave Peter with without that that the powers and without the personality, and he's just kind of regular Peter, almost a little more empty inside. You are not far from the truth, which we will get to momentarily. Okay. Before we do that, uh, I'll say they made a deal, right? Spider-Man's going to do superhero stuff. Peter is going to be with MJ. Everything's great. Think that deal's going to work out? No. Yeah, me neither. This this Spider-Man seems like he has the, the potential to be reckless. Mm-hmm. And I also think Peter Parker has a potential to, I don't know, be jealous or something. And you you mentioned, you know, does he miss his powers? There are certainly moments where he seems a little bit jealous. Uh, basically, there's a montage following this mm-hmm. of exactly what they wanted. Spider-Man stopping bad guys. He takes down the vulture. And all the meanwhile, Peter Parker is thinking how great this is. I can now live my life. But something just feels wrong. Yeah. Well, it does feel wrong. It feels wrong to me. Yeah. Also, has he not told MJ about this? No. That's not cool it's not cool right it's it's like in one scenario it's wrong for him to lead a double life and have a secret identity and not tell her but then when she thinks that he does have this and he doesn't she's still in the dark and she doesn't call him out when he says i don't have to go save the city you've got to think she's wondering why not you would think so yeah and maybe off panel he explained it to her and we'll get to that but at least in this issue it appears that she's not asking questions. Hmm. This whole thing feels weird. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable with all of it. And I'll say at first, I thought, is the writing off here? Why isn't Peter more concerned? But I think it might be related to what you were saying. Something got split. Yeah, I think think Peter changed and Spider-Man changed. So Spider-Man's like a character of himself and Peter's some kind of different version of himself too. It's like that episode of uh, Rick and Morty with the toxic versions of themselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think this was written after that. So Hmm. I'm not saying anything, Nick, but it's it's, it's different enough. Peter gets a text from Kurt Connors, the lizard. Okay. Says, come to the lab. 
right away. Come to the lab right away. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something. I thought you had some speculation. <laughs> no, I it. just I liked your lizard voice from last time. So. Well, he's not he's not I know, in lizard a, mode text, right now, and it's a text, and it's a text message. Text, so. Yeah, we're like come to the lab right away. There you go. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> when he gets there, they talk a little bit about the offer that Connor made Pete, you know, to join the class. Connor says, you've got a week to decide before the next quarter starts. Peter's not ready to commit. Then he says, we need to talk about the isotope genome accelerator. And he says, watch this experiment. He takes a rat named, I believe, Horatio. <laughs> he zaps Her- it. Wait, rat? Horatio? Horatio? Oh, that might be why he named it that. Very nice. Zaps the rat. Now you got two rats. Except one of them knows how to do the mace. The other one doesn't. The other Mm -hmm. one knows the wheel trick. The other one doesn't. So they've split knowledge and skills, it would appear. And then Connor says, it is too dangerous to do human trials. Why? We'll get to that in a moment. At one point in this scene, Connors asks Peter to hand him uh, an andro gauge. Peter andro gauge. Do you know what that is? Andro is like male. Mm-hmm. Something with men. Testosterone. Okay. Hormones. Right. It's like a measure of his masculinity. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a device of some kind. It's totally irrelevant to the scene. Okay. The important thing is that you don't know what an angel gauge is. It's Neither does Peter. Okay. In the meantime, we see Spider-Man, you know, uh, the non-Peter Parker Spider-Man, ripping wires and stuff out of the Tri-Sentinel. So clearly he's got some science brains. Yeah. So we can see this split He seems really skilled, too. Yeah. Which, what does that say about Peter? He's dead weight. It's too dangerous to do human testing, and I'm going to read a bit of Connor's monologue here. Should I do it in lizard voice, even though he's in human form right now? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Okay, so just to be clear, we're using lizard voice, but Connor's is in human form here. As it stands, we don't know the nature of the delineation or even the scope of it. Is it simply aptitudes and learned behaviors, or could it include something deeper, like, for instance, emotional states or moral beliefs? Ooh. Within each of us is a careful balancing act of opposing forces. What sort of person might be left with only half of what made them who they are? Then he gives a couple of examples. A soldier without conscience or a surgeon who doesn't remember the Hippocratic Oath. <laughs> and, then, and then, and then, so, so the implication here, right? It might not have just been knowledge. It right. could have been morals. It could have been personality. All the stuff you talked about before. This reminds me of the movie Twins. Oh, where, where Arnold Schwarzenegger is the perfected yeah. genetic being, and then Danny DeVito's leftover crap. Yeah, in Danny DeVito's own words in the movie. <laughs> so, we've, so Schwarzenegger is the Spider-Man suit, and Peter is Danny DeVito. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and to be clear, at this point, we've established that there is a Peter Parker clone, probably, under that suit, because there were two mice. Oh, yeah. 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 Peter starts thinking about the implications of this. What are the two elements that Peter often thinks about balancing in his head? Responsibility. And? Power. Exactly. So he thinks to himself, there's a push and pull inside all of us between power and responsibility. Cut to Spider-Man riding the Tri-Sentinel yelling, Yeehaw! (laughs) That's a great cut. (laughs) that's pretty funny i want you to go to the last page you have to see the picture it's one of my favorite oh this is the last page of the comic yeah last page of the comic i will say it now this is one of my favorite spider-man panels of all time it's hilarious (laughs) that that's really funny here you can hit browse pages this is a pro tip if you've never used comiXology before hit browse pages 
and then they all pop up and you can get to the last one very quickly. You're still going page by page. Well, I'm so close. Oh, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I want to see the cut. Okay, so he says it's it's between you guessed it, power and responsibility. <laughs> and then it's a full page Spider-Man's riding the Sentinel fist up in the air, tri Sentinel, the fist is up in the air and he's yelling, "Yeehaw!" That's hilarious. I really that's a great way to end the comic. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, it's also very ominous. Sort of. I mean, it. He did a good thing. He brought down the Tri Sentinel, right? What was he doing when he was ripping those wires out? Oh, do you think he was just taking control of the Tri Sentinel? So it's not just that he's riding it and taking it down. He he's pulling the strings. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, predictions. What happens next? Where does this go? So. Let me preface what I'm about to say by saying I know very little about Deadpool. Okay. All and right. this isn't about Deadpool. It's just an analogy. Okay. Okay. Uh, Spider-Man in this state seems like he's still going after bad guys, but he's almost doing it because it's fun, not because it's the right thing to do. Uh, and so that could lead to him causing a lot of problems, both for the city uh, with his relationships with the other heroes and it could lead to him entering a lot of morally gray areas. And so that kind of reminds me of what I know about Deadpool, which is he's kind of crazy and he, and very impulsive and, and just but he's ultimately I think on the side of good. I'm going to draw an even better analogy. Okay. There is a manga with an anime based on it called One Punch Man about a guy that can defeat any villain with one punch. And he's so bored, he wants a villain that takes a little bit more power to beat but he doesn't fight for good. He just does it for fun. And oftentimes there is collateral damage. Like a whole city will get wiped out. So that might be what we're looking at here. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think Spider-Man's going to be kind of doing some good things. Some things that inadvertently cause a lot of destruction and damage. And mostly he's just being driven by wanting fun and excitement and stimulation. And how is Peter going to stop him, right? He doesn't have the power anymore. He's going to have to team up with... What's his name? Boomerang? A lizard? Lizard, yeah. But what's his... Kirk Connors. Kirk Connors. Yeah. Who's Boomerang again? That's Fred, his, his roommate. Uh, roommate, the villain. Right. Are they going to team up? I don't see why. I don't see why, but you know what, actually? What could happen is... So Lizard might be out of commission because he's got the chip in his neck. Yeah, but couldn't Lizard use the isotope... Genome machine, accelerator. Genome accelerator on himself. Like, what if they get to the point where they can learn how to pull the evil out of someone but keep the powers? Well, I mean, that's the whole reason he built the machine was to try and split Lizard and Kurt, mm-hmm. right? That's why it had this effect on Peter. I don't think that they're going to go that route. It's too risky to try and get the Lizard on his side. So I think Peter might do something reckless. He might just try and set up a situation where a villain can take out Spidey without knowing he's helping Peter Parker. He'll just oh, get sick the wow. boomerang. He can maybe tip off the boomerang, you know, accidentally let something slip. Boomerang knows where he is. Yeah. Here's that that's a good the but here's the thing though. I think Peter will not want to destroy Spider Man. I think he'll want to find a way to, to reintegrate him. Yeah, so it's going to be a dangerous mission. Yeah. I need this villain to weaken him, and then I can swoop in. I'll have the, the accelerator ready, zap us, recombine. Mm-hmm. But but it seems like Spider-Man's not opposed to talking to Peter, right? Like, they can just meet up and hang They're out. They're not opposed to talking, but Spidey did end the conversation kind of early. Boop, jump yeah. out, yeah. Exactly. So how much is he going to be able to, to talk to him? Right. Hmm. This is, I like where this is going. What, one other thought I have is what happens if you use the isotope genome accelerator on someone who had already had it used on them? So let's let's say you take this new uh, Spider-Man now and use it again. Now you'll end up with, what if you end up with you know one Spider-Man that uh, can shoot webs only and one that can only crawl? The webs are with the, a this, machine. Oh, right, right. But the point is you could end up fragmenting a person right, into like, like individual traits. His hands are sticky, but his feet aren't. Right. Or, or his hands are sticking, his feet aren't. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's also would be pretty reckless because now you've yeah. got to catch two of them, even though they're both weakened. Yeah, but I, I could because I know that there's in Spider Geddon, which you talk about, which you talked about recently. There's all these different Spider-Man variants running around, right? Right. This kind of 
in theory could go a similar direction where you end up with all these different uh, split versions of Spider-Man just going off and doing their own thing. Like what if this crazy fun Spider-Man recklessly just decides to split himself? Right. Oh, <laughs> you know, and then those split themselves. It'd be like Mr. Meeseeks, which yeah. would be another uh, Rick and Morty reference. <laughs> so there's a lot of ways this could go. I think either way it's going to end up with some crazy plan that's dangerous and uh, and reckless. That was cool. This is my favorite issue so far. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it is great. I mean, I'll say it again. Favorite panel I've ever seen. It's not the most heroic. It's not the most inspiring. But at least in terms of humor, that's the hardest I've ever laughed at a Spider-Man comic. Yeah. It would be cool to have this panel framed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On we should wall. Get, let's get this postered up and put it up in the in our makeshift studio. Top three quips. Now, I would put Yeehaw on the list. It's too easy. Number one, they're at the bowling alley, and Peter's talking to MJ. He's doing pretty good, getting some strikes. He says to her, unbelievable. All those 3 a.m. repeat viewings of the Big Lebowski finally paying off. (laughs) MJ, I'm a kingpin gal myself. Peter, you know, I feel like that sentence could easily be misinterpreted. Right, because of the villain. Right, Kingpin is the name of a Bill Murray bowling movie, yep. and it's the Kingpin. Who's mayor? He's the right. mayor of New York. Currently mayor of New York. Pretty funny. That's a pretty good one. It's not as quippy because it's it's kind of back and forth. And it needed to, you didn't know the connection right away, so. Well, I knew I knew it right away. Come on. Okay, okay. I'm not going to repeat it, but the Arrested Development one. Mm. I like that one. That's different because now that's coming from Spidey Suit. Right. The only problem with that one, it's funny, but it's always a little bit easy to go for the pop culture reference. It automatically adds a little bit of funny, but it was really well-timed, very relevant. I liked it. It was a funny one. I like that too, yeah. Number three. So far, that's better than the Big Lebowski, which is another pop culture reference. You're right, you're right. All right, this third low, one. Low-hanging fruit. Third one, not a pop culture reference. Right. And this one is good because it's got Peter and Spidey suit talking to each other. Okay. It has potential. Get your hands off my drumstick. You- <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? No, no. Because <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, that kind of... I don't know why we were even debating it. <laughs> oh, that was low-hanging fruit. I, I had to go for it, though. Uh, Peter... This has to be freaking you out a little. This is Spider-Man saying it? No, this is Peter saying it to Spider-Man. Okay, okay. Peter says, this has to be freaking you out a little. Right, the whole situation. Spider-Man says, I guess, but then it's not so bad for me. I got the cool spider half. It's like a divorce where you're the mom who makes the kid do homework all week, and I'm the dad who shows up every other weekend with tickets to Six Flags. (laughs) (laughs) I like that one the best because um, it's a great analogy. And also, the, he gets so specific with the, t- the tickets to Six Flags. <laughs> and it, it highlights what we were saying. Like, it, it's, a, it's a clever way to explain what happened with the split, where it's through a joke, so it doesn't feel like they're obviously just explaining something for the reader, but it does get an important message across. Mm-hmm. And, for, and for the reader, the reader is like the, the child. Right. <laughs> so when we see Peter Parker, we're with kind of the, the boring mom. Yeah. And then when we get to see Yeehaw on the screen... We're with the fun dad at Six Flags. So that's your favorite then, number yeah, three. number three. All right. Usually we do the drum roll, but your reaction to that was so... It was too obvious. It was, yeah. yeah. So that's my quip pick of the week. Adam's quip pick of the week. Great issue overall. Hilarious. Interesting developments. Can't wait to see where it goes. We've got... There's four more issues out right now, so we're working through those, catching up. Can't wait to see what happens next. Me too. And I enjoyed we'll this. Come back in a bit with news. Comic or comic related news. Adam, lots of news to talk about in the comic world. We're not going to go through all of it, but I picked out three that jumped out to me as interesting. First one, you and I had a little back and forth on our last episode that we did together where we predicted Venom 
Rotten Tomatoes score. Oh yeah, you said sixty-one <laughs> percent. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> that was that's what we call wishful thinking. I think. I think so. Yeah. I said thirty-four percent. Rotten Tomatoes score at this very moment. 34%. Are you serious? No, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I got keep falling for that. <laughs> I was going to open up today's episode and say, all right, issue three of Amazing Spider-Man, we open up with Peter Parker waking up and realizing that the whole split was a nightmare. There is no second Spider-Man. <laughs> you, could have, you definitely could have fooled me into that. Well, I started getting nervous when you pulled up a copy on your laptop I was like, oh no, he's gonna see it. I can't trick him now. <laughs> don't don't uh underestimate how easy it is to fool me. Yeah. <laughs> it's at a thirty percent right now. Okay. So I was pretty much spot on. Well, by price is right rules, we were both wrong. True. I I probably I'll probably still see it just out of curiosity so I can and so I can participate in the pop culture zeitgeist. zeitgeist yeah. And uh, if I do see it, I'll make sure to tell you about it. All right. News. What, what do what are people saying about it? Uh, they're saying that it feels like a lost superhero movie from the 90s. Hmm. Back when they didn't really know how to do it right. The storytelling isn't great. Um, honestly, I've, I didn't read too many of the reviews because if I go to see it, I want to go in. You want to uh, enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Hmm. That's too bad. News story number two, Suicide Squad. Oh, I heard a little about this. All right, so first they're bringing in uh, what's what's do you want to do the news? James Gunn. Yeah, that's right. I knew it. James Gunn, who did Guardians of the Galaxy, which I loved that movie when it came out. It was probably my favorite Marvel movie, primarily because it felt. Uh, like the tone was different from the rest of the Marvel films. I enjoy the Marvel movies, but there is a sort of feeling of sameness across all of them, where they they intentionally go for a certain tone. Guardians of the Galaxy felt pretty different to me. It was hilarious in its own way, while still having you know pretty great emotional resonance and action. I was a big fan of that movie. It felt like, at least from the trailers, Suicide Squad was going for a similar vibe. And that whole production, there's a lot of stories about it. Um, the most, I would say, commonly accepted um, recollection of events is that they came out with that first trailer. Everyone loved the trailer, but it really didn't match up with the tone of the actual movie. So supposedly DC brought in the people that edited the trailer to try and re-edit the whole movie, maybe shoot some new stuff and, and force fit it into that tone of the trailer which might explain why the movie turned out the way it did. Like, pretty choppy. Like, not a great movie. Right. Bring in James Gunn. That gets me excited. I actually think now there's some hope for Suicide Squad 2, that it could turn things around and from the get-go you know, aim for the, the right tone. I mean, if he, made, if he directed Guardians of the Galaxy, he seems like the right person for the job. Is, has something like this happened before where someone will, who did good work at Marvel on a film crosses over? Uh, actually, yes. Um, Joss Whedon, he directed uh, the first Avengers. Actually, the first two Avengers movies were done by Joss Whedon. And he was brought in for um, Justice League. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a, a tough story. Zack Snyder was creating the Justice League movie. He had a family tragedy and he had to leave the production. So they brought in Joss Whedon to take over. And he was... At first, it sounded like he was just coming in to finish the movie. Like it was almost done. But it sounds like he did some pretty substantial rewrites and reshoots. So actually very similar story as James Gunn, except he's going to come in, you know, make this movie Hmm. from the ground up. I have good hopes for this. Yeah, I have very high hopes. I am a little worried. Lately, I feel like we've been seeing a lot of stories where they'll bring in an interesting filmmaker for a movie. Um, For example, Chris Miller and Phil Lord. I believe that's their names. It's a pair of directors that did 21 Jump Street. And a Lego movie. Mm, I like 21 Jump Street. Right. They're pretty much known for taking a movie where you think, how can that be a good movie? And then making it really great. They were brought in to do Han Solo. They got booted and they brought in Ron Howard to finish it. Mm. So part of me, I feel like we've seen that story play out so many times. I'm now concerned that he's going to get kicked off the movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
You're kind of superstitious about that. Yeah. Joss Whedon was brought in to do the Batwoman movie, uh, which is a perfect matchup. Right, yeah. He left. He didn't get kicked off. He actually mm. chose to Because that would have been a good fit for him. Yeah. Because so. I'm just thinking about Buffy and uh, such a similar feel. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you're, you think this is a good fit, right? Well, I think it's a good fit. I agree. You you gave a lot of good reasons to not get our hopes up, you know. But if I hope it goes well, and because I can't think of a uh, like DC, oh, I haven't seen that many of their movies. But the last one I saw from them that I liked was the uh, Batman nineteen eighty nine. No, is a uh, Dark Knight. Yeah. Well, did you see Wonder Woman? No, but I heard it was good, right? Yeah, Wonder Woman is generally recognized as the best uh, kind of post-Dark Knight Christopher Nolan DC movie. Oh, Christopher Nolan made it. No, 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 no. post Oh, after Nolan. Christopher Nolan, okay. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman was good. I would say not great, but really good. If they can make that the bar, like that's the minimum, and every DC movie after is at least at that level, I would say they're in a good spot. Okay. Also, Aquaman just came out with a five-minute extended trailer. This was not part of my news items for the week. Bonus news item. There was a five-minute extended trailer for Aquaman, and you know who they got playing Aquaman, right? Uh, Kyle Drogo. Right. What's I'll name? say the... Uh, I forget the actor's name. Uh, why don't you look it up while I vamp? Uh, I thought the trailer actually looked pretty awesome. Uh, it was an interesting trailer. Like I said, it's a five-minute extended cut. And what they did is they showed a two or three minute action sequence. It felt like they lifted the scene directly from the movie and just um, played it out for us in the trailer. How did it look? I mean, it looked cool. Action looked um, in the uh, in the Spider Geddon ten minute um, video I did. I talked about what it takes for action to be solid in a comic book, and I would say it's very similar um, principles for a movie. One of the main things that is is missing in a lot of action sequences these days is just being able to track the real estate of what's going on. So many times now, they'll have so many cuts, shaky cam, it's hard to tell right. who's doing what. This movie, it looked very clear. The action looked great. There was some stuff in the trailer that made me laugh and potentially looked you know, more epic than I expected. You got the actor's name? Jason Momoa. That's right, that's right. So I've got some hopes that DC's turning the ship a little bit. Bringing in James Gunn is an awesome move. I love that. Lastly, you mentioned Buffy. Are you aware of the Buffy TV reboot they're doing? I've heard something about that. Not a lot of details known about it. Joss Whedon is involved in some capacity, probably not a whole lot. More, more of my impression is he's giving his blessing to it and he'll have some say and some input on the story. It's also unclear if it's a reboot in the sense that there's going to be somebody else playing Buffy mm. or if it's going to be you know, some kind of a sequel where it just focuses on another character. Can't, why can't Sarah Michelle Gellar come back? Maybe she can. Well, I've already said that the protagonist is going to be an African-American female, mm. so it should be a more diverse cast. Yeah, so Gellar's out. <laughs> Gellar is out, at least as the protagonist. Right. My hope is that it is a continuation and it's just focused on another character. Uh, that's not what we're talking about today. This is comic books. So they are also doing a Buffy comics reboot. If uh, if you're unaware, after the show aired, they actually continued the series in comic book form. Mm -hmm. And there's a Spike and an Angel comic too, right? That's right, yeah. They had all sorts of spinoffs. Uh, and they would literally call it you know, Buffy Season 8, Season 9. It's unusual uh -huh. for comics to do that, but they literally had seasons. Uh, recently, right after this news was announced that Fox was rebooting the series, they also took the comic rights back. So Dark Horse was the publisher creating the Buffy comics. Mm -hmm. Fox has a partnership with a, a comic book publisher named Boom Studios. Okay, I've heard of that. So Boom is going to be publishing the Buffy reboot. And with this one, it's going to be Buffy, Xander, and all of them. It's just going to take place in 2019. Start it over. As, but they'll be young? Yeah, back in high school. I like that. That could be cool. Yeah, that was my favorite part of the series, you know, when they were in high school. There was some great stuff after that, 
But I actually like this approach. Normally I'm against reboots, but times have changed significantly since the series aired. And the series was always meant to be a commentary on real stuff. Right, the monsters represented the trials and tribulations right. of a, of a teenage girl, you know, going through high school and growing up and yeah. all that. Like I remember, there was a monster that was, that was like a comp- like a computer kind of thing or like a technological thing. And at the time when it was going, like you could have seen that as like your your typical like '90s robot movie. Something oh, like they're that. definitely going to redo that story, but more about smartphones and people being too hooked on social media. Yeah. A lesson we could all learn. Yeah. You and I were actually fans. It's funny that you mentioned that episode because that was back from season one of Buffy. Generally considered the worst season back when they were doing Monster of the Week mm-hmm. stories. I liked that. We loved it, it was right? It fun. It was campy. It felt like a B movie every week. Yeah. But with some real emotional weight behind it. Yeah. And like uh, characters with some depth. Right, exactly. So I, I'll say this. I haven't been keeping up with the Buffy comics. I did for a few years. I'm going to go back and, and re- reread all of them uh, because they did a real finale. They had a season 12 come out, a four-episode or four-issue season 12. Mm-hmm. But Joss Whedon actually came back and wrote them. Wow. So the fact that they're doing a legit reboot now tells me that, that four, th- those four issues are probably the, the true finale. To, to this incarnation of Buffy after all these years. So I'm going to go back, catch up, and read them. Probably tell you about them. Tell you about them as well. And uh, I can't wait for this reboot. I just hope they get the right talent behind it. Adam, any, any final words? Hmm. My, my one concern is, I, uh, in terms of watching Buffy, I never finished the series. And if you tell me about the finale, I'm worried it will spoil something. <laughs> You're worried that that knowing the finale might spoil something. <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know. All right. Well, I won't tell you then. Let's. I don't want to. Sp- you know what? My little brother Daniel, my other brother, he uh, he did watch all of Buffy. So uh, guest, I'll have him on. Hmm. And then there's an episode I won't be able to listen to. <laughs> Another episode without you. I'm being removed here, folks. I don't know if you can see this. But I can't start a competing podcast because I don't read comics. Speaking of reading comics, I'm Gil, and I read comics.